Hey, this is Big Sexy Kevin Nash, and you're listening to The Rough House. Behold, a podcast for the ages. Recorded live from the interdimensional terror vortex of their subterranean dwellings comes The Rough House Podcast version 3.0. Two galactic warriors put down their war hammers and battle axes to perform a more noble task. Complaining about professional wrestling on internet purchased microphones. Now with more Simpsons references and Kota Ibushi thirst. This is the Rough House Podcast with Marty and Kristoff. Hello and welcome to the Rough House Podcast, episode number 337, recording date Sunday, August 27, 2023. Hi, I'm Marty. I'm Kristoff and I am all in, brother. Yeah, uh, we are half hour away as we're recording <laughs> this from the pre-show. Um, uh, one of the biggest pro wrestling shows in the history of ever, uh, unless you're a patron uh, although maybe even if you are a patron, depends on how quickly we get this posted after we're done. You may hear this after the fact. Yeah, uh, so man, what a show, right? Come on. Um, yeah. Fantastic. How about that, uh, main event? And, uh, how about, uh, you know, Eddie from Iron Maiden coming out and, uh, slashing a uh, leather face into bits. It was, yeah. it was a great so moment. Good. So good. So crazy. Uh, I will never forget where I was when that happened. Yeah, when the uh, when the Dusty Rhodes hologram uh, ascended from the heavens and, uh, you know, uh, beat up Ian McKellen. It was a great moment at Wembley. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, man, a minute in and it's just like, yep, that's it. We're done. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, I was looking at random shit around my desk and, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's it's been a rough week in the world of pro wrestling. And, and um, I, I will say for the patrons – uh, we covered some of this already on the Schlegel Soapbox. If you want Justin's take on the passings this week and also the all-in card, there's that. Uh, yes. We're going to dig in with more of our insight because, hey, this is the hour where we do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, for what on paper it looked like it was going to be just you know an exciting celebration of professional wrestling this week, a uh, bit tinged with sadness as we had on Wednesday the passing of Terry Funk at 79 and then Thursday, the absolute shock of yeah. uh, Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda, passing away at 36. Um, both, you know, sad in their own ways. One definitely more tragic than the other. Um, I figure we'll probably have more to say about Bray. So I'll very quickly get into Terry Funk. I mean, Terry Funk, 79 years old. We knew his health was not what it was. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I mean... I, I don't know how much you knew this, Chris, but uh, I, I've certainly heard a, a lot over the, the past few years about it. When his wife passed in 2019, he really wasn't the same after that. Yeah. Um, what level of fandom knowledge, whatever you want to call it, do you have personally with Terry Funk, Chris? Very little, to be honest with okay. you. I, I didn't, uh, you know, watch him in the old territory days or sure, see any of sure. that stuff. Never was never really a big ECW guy yeah. in the beginning. the The majority <clears throat> of my time seeing Terry Funk was Chainsaw Charlie. Yeah, with uh, with with Foley and WWF back in the day. I mean, and you know, subsequent 
everybody, you know, saying he's one of the greatest of all time and seeing random clips here and there. Sure. But uh, sadly, that was that was pretty much it. So unfortunately, I don't have really a lot of um, attachment or, you know, stories or memories uh, regarding Terry Funk. I know he's very highly regarded in the community Absolutely. as one of the all time greats. Um, but yeah, personally, never really dug into the the the, the oeuvre of work. Yeah, I, I'm not that terribly far removed from from where you sit with him. I haven't, though I'm aware of his legendary work in All Japan in the 70s and as NWA champion uh, in Memphis. He had the first ever empty arena match with Jerry King Lawler. I, I, I've not seen that, but where... And this is just kind of one of those weird memories that pops up in your head when, you know, things like this happen. Sure. My first knowledge of Terry Funk was of a photo. Okay. So my dad had this book, I think the name of the photographer, because he was a guy who did photos for uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated for years. I think it's George Nalapatino, Napolitano, something like that. Uh, Someone who probably knows more than me will correct it. And apologies for getting it wrong. But he took all of those like legendary photos of like NWA shows and, and all of that. And he had a book that was just like, you know, these high res glossy yeah. photos from, you know, the eighties of wrestling seventies and eighties of wrestling. And one of the most striking images was Terry Funk, full crimson mask, like more red than man. You know, I think I know the photo you're talking about and, too. Yeah. And that's all I knew. I knew the name and I had that image. Mm-hmm. And he would come up, you know, he'd be name dropped maybe on WCW more often than WWF because, of course, in WCW, other companies exist in WWF. They don't. Right. Um, but I vaguely, very vaguely remember seeing him pop up in the early part of WCW, like when it transitioned over and he had a feud with uh, Ric Flair. Undoubtedly, listeners who are slightly older than us probably remember Great American Bash 80, or 88, I think. Uh, Terry Funk, Ric Flair, amazing match. Uh, it, it's one of those ones that I remember seeing when they did the Ric Flair, like multiple DVD set mm-hmm. and, you know, holds up today. It, it's, you know, so many years old, uh, over 30 years old and, and still fantastic. Um, but the other exposure I had him was as that living legend. When I started watching ECW, you know, the build to barely legal him going for the world title one last time, middle-aged and crazy, um, winning the title, having barbed wire matches with Sabu. Yeah. Then crucially Japan mid to late nineties, King of the death match. Right. That was like the tape that, you know, me and my teenage friends, bloodlust and absolutely loving Mick Foley wanted to see. And, you know, somebody knew somebody who got a third, fourth, fifth generation copy. And there's this exploding barbed wire match. And of course it became part of the, the, the legend of Mick Foley and, and all of that. But that was just another moment for Terry Funk. You know, he's a guy who literally over 50 plus years went from, you know, NWA world titles to doing shitty indie shows to literally getting set on fire in Japan to all of these different things. And he always was one of the best at it. And it's so interesting to see how many different branches have grown off of Terry Funk. 
whether it's because you have guys like a, a Triple H who are clearly such a big fan of 80s NWA and the territories and all that, clearly love Terry Funk. You have in the indies, even now, like deathmatch companies like CZW, GCW, IWA Mid-South. Well, they're aping the mold of the death matches that Terry Funk was right. doing with Onita in Japan. Uh, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, clearly takes so much from Terry Funk, especially like that return era Terry Funk against Ric Flair. Yeah. It's so crazy to think about how one guy over his career led to so much. And, uh, you know, definitely the, the wrestling world is, is recognizing his accomplishments and achievements. Uh, now, now that he has passed, uh, truly one of a kind, truly one of the best, you know, he, it's funny. He's not a guy who I think people would say is, is on the Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling. That's more your flair, Hogan, Austin, sure. rock, but goddamn, you can make a, a convincing argument. Um, Early in terms of influence on the business. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, just kind of a, a, a fun, random thing I, I'd never heard before. Uh, I was listening to Wrestling Observer Radio. They recorded an episode because uh, Dave and Brian are in London. There wasn't mm-hmm. a full observer this week, all that. And the first hour of this episode was just Dave talking about Terry Funk matches and Terry his, his personal history with Terry Funk. And the thing that's so inter- interesting is – one, Terry was the first guy to go. It's okay if people know that the business is fake. So okay. long as people care about the angles and people right. come out and watch who gives Invested a shit. in the stories. Yeah. He was a guy who at any show he worked at any point in his career, he would watch the show and he would see what people are reacting to. And he never became that. I mean, give Cornette his props. He's built an entire single person industry out of it, but he never was a guy that said, Oh, that sucks. He was a guy who said, you know, this Lucha stuff is working. The high flying stuff in Japan is working. You know, that's where the ball is going. This, this Mm -hmm. is the future of wrestling. And sure enough, it was true. But most interesting to me was Terry Funk was one of the few people in Japan who, when all Japan women started, didn't go, Oh, they look like, you know, fucking 12 year old girls wrestling each other. That was even the perception in Japan. Like the, the journalists, because they have a journalist culture in Japan for pro wrestling. were like, Oh, this is, this is bullshit. He was a guy who looked at it and said, this is where wrestling's going to go. And he got Dave Meltzer's ear and said, you need to watch this. And that was where so much of people watching, you know, proper women's wrestling, not the fabulous moolah bullshit, mm-hmm. but actual women having great matches started because he would be writing in the observer. Oh my God, five-star match in all Japan women. And the tapes would be circulated. You could see that direct line from the popularity of that to, you know, the growth of Joshi to even the fucking women's revolution in WWE, all because he was a guy who saw someone with influence and said, you got to put a microscope on this. Yeah. Wow. That's and, big. Yeah. And who would have thought that from, you know, the, the hardcore middle Asian crazy Terry Funk, but yeah. Uh, Smoking a cigarette with a bandana and you know, yeah. Uh, also of course, uh, in roadhouse, 10 out of 10. <laughs> 
Fuck, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah you're right. If, if nothing else, uh, watch his segments from Roadhouse because he's fucking incredible in it. But that's a man who got to do everything in pro wrestling. And on the other side, you have Wyndham Rotunda, Bray Wyatt. We have certainly been outspoken over the years about the creative failings of WWE with relation to Bray Wyatt. Yes. Um, he is, if anything, the poster child for WWE creative gone terribly wrong. Right. But I think the intangible thing about him is how, despite all of it, he remained one of the most fan connected, beloved members of that company, whether and compelling, I mean, regardless of, you know, where the storylines went or what kind of psycho babble he was, you know, ranting about on the microphone, you, your eyes and ears we're still drawn to him because he had that ability to, to, to suck, sucker you in, uh, more or less, you know, it's that kind of, um, hypnotizing preacher sort of, uh, cadence that he used. Oh my God. Um, you know, and again, the content of which up for debate and discussion and all this sort of stuff, but it was effective, um, through the various iterations, you know, of Bray Wyatt, you know, we're leaving the Husky Harris behind us. Um, you know, and I remember Bray Wyatt debuted at Baltimore on wall in the arena, in the arena. I remember that night. And I still remember some schmuck, uh, sees a section over chanting Husky Harris at, and I'm like this motherfucker. Um, but he, he had that ability to, you know, lure you into his really weird but unique mind and his creativity, you know, that was his ace in the hole. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, unfortunately, the legacy of what he accomplished in WWE will be marred by the ineffectiveness of WWE creative to know what to do with it or to harness sure, it sure. in the most effective way, which is sad. Um, yeah. But, you know, you look back over his catalog of work, uh, you know, back from old, you know, um, Swampy, uh, Cape Fear, Bray Wyatt, all the mm-hmm. way, you know, to The Fiend and, and, and everything in between, you know, there was, there are, a lot of moments. And as we've said many, many times, WWE is in the business of creating moments. And Absolutely. there are a lot of moments over the past, what, 10 years yeah, or so? Yeah, I think it was 2013 that yeah. the White family bumped up into bumped up from uh, WWE NXT. proper. Yeah. A lot of moments over those past 10 yeah. years. I mean, you know, the whole introduction of the Wyatt family and then taking everybody out, the whole storyline with Daniel Bryan, um, mm-hmm. you know, with, with him joining. And I, that was also in Baltimore, I think, when he came out in the uh, the, 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 the trash suit, yeah. the, the trash jumpsuit or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, on to, you know, it, the lore got convoluted Absolutely. Uh, as, as, as it does. But, you know, I think back to the moment, you know, the stare down of the shield and the Wyatt family, Oh my God, the, the mo- one of the coolest moments in wrestling history, when randomly he was tagging in a match with Roman reigns yes. and he does a sister Abigail and just randomly no look points and overgoes rain to do a spear yeah. almost like he you know mine that, that gift was getting a lot of traction it. this week because it's still one of the coolest things so i've cool. ever seen so um cool. 
you know, obviously th- there are some more infamous moments of, you know, sure. him losing to Goldberg and the the WrestleMania Jack in the Box sort of thing. Yeah, the, the burnt fiend. The, the burnt fiend, the bugs on the, uh, the spooky the projector bugs, yeah. the 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 uh, House of Horrors match with Randy Orton. Yeah. Um, good or bad moments like the, these. Unforgettable. Like, yeah. Famous or infamous. And I hadn't thought about any of this ahead of time. This is just coming off the top of my yeah, head absolutely. of all these things that he was involved with. And that's not even to mention the whole, you know, unique weirdness of the Firefly Funhouse and the entire um, Funhouse match during the pandemic WrestleMania with John Cena that had, you know, so many think pieces written up about it. Yeah. And, you know, all, all these different sorts of it's things. Really one of the highlights of pandemic wrestling. This, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Calling that wrestling is certainly with big quotes around it. Yeah, the uh, pandemic. It, it was it was so unique and so interesting. It's it's funny you mentioned the Husky Harris thing because I mean I think we can agree one of the all time worst names in WWE sure. history. Like sure, just yeah, absolute garbage. Like you're Put it just, up there with Shorty G. <laughs> right, right. You're literally just calling him like Fat Smith. Like that's. Yeah. That's yeah. what you're doing. But like, there, but hey, it's got alliteration. So <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, but it feels like there was something there, uh, you know, when he first started, like his, yes, multi-generational nephew sure. of Barry Windham, son of Mike Rotunda. He had this almost Dr. Death, Terry Gordy. Uh, I'm trying to think of other people, but like this big squat shit kicking machine mm-hmm. and that vibe. If they called him by his actual name, Wyndham Rotunda, two shit kickers for professional wrestling history. It's a great a lineage of yeah. shit kickers. Like, yeah. and what was the turn of phrase they used? Uh, the tank body with the Ferrari engine. Mm-hmm. Like, what a fucking great turn of phrase. Yeah. And then they call him, you know, Chubby Johnson and yeah. <laughs> throw him out there on NXT, yeah. you know, the, the game show era NXT. That he was able to take that and so completely reinvent himself multiple times Mm -hmm. over the course of his run as Bray Wyatt, Wyatt family, Firefly, everything you were just talking about and made himself compelling. Yep. There are people who reinvent and reinvent and reinvent and never works or, you know, this works and this was crap. Chris Jericho, probably the biggest name to reinvent themselves on such a regular basis. Yeah. You could talk about too you know, frequent. Yeah. You could talk about the high highs of like Jericho Holic era or the millennium man or the yeah. low lows of guy who comes out and doesn't say anything, but has a glowing coat. Like th- th- <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a mixed bag in that. Even the for, demo God, right. The pain maker. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him it's bad. Cause he thinks it's great. Yeah. Um, but even when the creative was at its worst, it was compelling. Yeah. And like there, there was, there was a, a unique kinship between him and his creative process and his ideas and a very specific, very, uh, engaged fandom. We made fun of it on this show. The, the people a lot. Who would go on Twitter and talk about the <laughs> lore of the fiend, but these are the same people. And, uh, I know some of the, the like lads may feel like I'm painting with a broad brush when I say this next bit, but these are the same people who are like obsessed with like horror movies. They're, they're, they're very much as like yes. that, 
that connective tissue of like, oh man, he's got the Sam Raimi mask or not Sam Raimi, uh, Tom Savini, Tom mask. Savini mask. Yeah. Uh, he's got the, he's got, you know, there, there's this deep reasoning behind why his hands say hurt and heal and you know, all these different things. Yeah. 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 And it made him special. Yeah. When they brought him back, God, I think it was just last year mm-hmm. when they brought him back, the fan reaction to that return was one of the most genuine connections I've ever seen between a crowd and a wrestler. Yeah. Because it wasn't just, oh man, this storyline is compelling. Oh man, I can't wait to see how this match goes. It was, well, it's about fucking time they give you this moment and thank God I'm here to see it. Yeah. And, and that is something you cannot create. It is something that only occurs by chance. It is something you can diminish with a Mountain Dew pitch black match, but <laughs> that's, uh, that's corporations for you. Um, so Friday they tossed out pretty much everything they were going to do for SmackDown. They made it a tribute show of sorts, uh, to both individuals. Um, and there are two incredible video packages, uh, you know, because WWE has access to so many tapes from over the yeah. years, they were able to create this amazing one about the life and times of Terry Funk. Uh, and because they own in totality the career of Bray Wyatt, uh, they were able to put together a, a, a really, really compelling and interesting video I'll about him and his life. Um, yeah. And it wasn't just, you know, here's the spooky shit. It was him with his kids. He's got four kids and yeah. or had four kids. Um, and it's just a bummer that this guy who could have been so much more than he was. That's always going to be the question mark. What more could they have done? Because his life ended early and tragically, uh, yeah. heart, heart issues were apparently what led to him being cut in 2021, which God, that's that sounds awful. Um, yeah. but, uh, he, he was on the mend. He got brought back in 2022, then caught COVID, which made everything terrible again. And uh, there was word he was about ready to come back and a uh, heart attack on Thursday. Just really sad. Yeah. But uh, yeah, both the videos are on WWE's YouTube. I highly recommend you watch them, especially if you're a fan of either guy or hell. Maybe you don't know much about Terry Funk. Just see everything he was involved in because it's yeah. territory stuff. ECW, WCW, NW, like all of that makes up the video and and, and they're great, great stuff. But um, definitely cast a shadow on what should be a, a very, very big, I mean, it's almost done, but very, very big week in wrestling. Yeah. Because in 10 minutes from, from when we're recording <laughs> this right now, they go live Wembley Stadium. 80,000 plus people for all in AEW's London, England debut. Yeah. We've gone in many directions to get here. Some good, some bad. Many crisscrossies. Yes. But we've got ourselves 11 matches on the card Two our pre-show nine on the main show. Uh, as of the time we're discussing this, who yeah. knows? Maybe they're going to add more during the show. Uh, it, it's interesting to see all the different directions that, that they've gone in, uh, because, uh, your, your boy has some insight on matches that they planned and did not get to do and oh. I'll tell you about <clears throat> them as we go through. But, uh, Aussie open defending the ring of honor tag titles against MJF and Adam Cole. 
Uh, we talked about our predictions on, on the Schlegel soapbox though. So this is going to be more about how they built to it in this past week. Um, Aussie open did the Lord's work on Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah, they did trying to make a broken, pardon the pun, Matt Hardy and mm. an absolutely blown up Jeff Hardy into people worth beating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on paper, this is okay. Sure. Hardy's yeah. versus Aussie open in the main event. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, Aussie open definitely game and mm-hmm. um, I'm sure we're marking out internally being in the ring oh, with course. the Hardys. Uh, but man, as we've said multiple times over the past months here, there's no reason for the Hardys to be wrestling in 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have enough brother tag teams in AEW. Yeah. One less ain't going to hurt them, you yeah. know? Um, but they bumped their asses off for, for Matt and Jeff, but mm-hmm. still, you know, obviously retained the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. Um, and then uh, had a little promo time, had a yeah. chance to to talk some shit, which and, I, I'm happy that they got. And got some heat off of it. I didn't yeah. expect that. I thought it was just going to be a lot of who the fuck is this guy? But uh, yeah. Kyle Fletcher knows how to fucking talk, turns out. Yeah, um, yeah. Just ask Sky Blue. Yeah, <laughs> true. Uh, but then, of course, MJF and Cole run out. There's a whole schmoz, and we get our uh, WrestleMania 17 My Way video standoff moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. Um, Building up for that kangaroo kick, man. It's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I have happen. no doubt that it is. Uh, what I will say, though, is I'm a little bummed because MJF and Cole have been on a tear in tag matches. Yeah. I don't think this match is going to go long, less because they're going to squash Aussie open and more because they don't want to break the main event before the main event happens. Absolutely. If this was a, a match getting time on dynamite or collision, yeah. it could be really fucking good. Yeah, absolutely. And there might be a return. Ma- well, maybe not. Probably not. <laughs> I <was gonna> say, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I, I think it's fair to say, yeah, a fucking Aussie opens winning and there's going to be some sort of to do with MJF and Cole. Yeah, so. no, I think that makes the most sense. But, you know, uh, Cole and MJF, you know, look, I'll say that there's a possibility, mm-hmm. not a great one, that they win the tag titles and then come out to the main event as friends somehow. It, it, it's certainly possible. It would, it would go against it would be the a expectation. Yes. It would certainly be a, a Vince McMahon type swerve. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and so and I'm hoping again, that's not the case. Weird buddies. Can they get along tag champions? My least yeah. favorite trope in pro wrestling. I know it's pretty, but I would say as far as the tag team, can they coexist? This has been the best iteration that I think maybe ever that we've seen just because of Max's overabundance of personality. Um, But, but yeah, the, the, the smart money here is on Aussie open uh, retaining. And then you also, you know, I, I don't think. I think there's a chance this isn't the last time we see Aussie open tonight because obviously they're part of the United empire with Will Ospreay who is having a match later on that we'll get to. But, uh, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see them on the show proper as well. Yeah. And, uh, the other match announced for zero hour is a singles match for the FTW title as Jack Perry defends it against hook Jack Perry having a retirement ceremony for the belt on collision. It was originally planned for dynamite. Yeah. Uh, but got bumped because of Tony having to rebook a lot of dynamite because he had to rebook portions of all in. Yeah. Which we'll get to when we talk about the matches. Um, look, send people in the UK home happy fucking hook wins in like a 30 second squash with the Taz mission. Yeah, yeah. Destroy them and then throw them in the Thames. 
Yeah, just let's <laughs> let, let's get this moving. And then yeah. uh, again, using this is Wikipedia's rundown of the show. Uh, FTR and the Young Bucks. Uh, Young Bucks uh, had a sit down promo with FTR on Wednesday, uh, which will always go down for me for uh, Matt Jackson turning Dax Harwood beat Red and almost into Yosemite Sam for a moment <laughs> with with the dig he got in on FTR. Um, yeah. I think this match is going to be very good. Yes. I'm very excited for how it plays out. I think if Cash Wheeler comes out of here as uh, an AEW tag champion, I will be dumbfounded because uh, that, that guy's got some stuff waiting for him at home when he gets yeah, back he from London. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two weeks ago, looking at this match, uh, we'd have a completely different conversation right yeah. now. But I I would be um, shook slash shock slash amazed and all these different things if FTR went, retains the titles and wins this match uh, with all these, you know, personal problems with FTR uh, at home. You know, Cash has to take care of his uh, his legal issues and Dax has to take care of his family. So, yes. you know, there's a, there's a lot of responsibilities back in North Kakalaki for these – or uh, Florida, actually, was where Cash got the yes. uh, charge. Yes, he's in Florida. I think uh, Dax is in one of the Carolinas. Which is shocking that they don't have, like, you know, mass Massive um, hoarder doomsday prepper compounds in North Carolina somewhere together. It's kind of how I imagine. Maybe Cash is more than one residence, you know? Yeah. The the wonderful life they have. But yeah, um, Bucks, you know, are the elite in all elite wrestling. Never forget. So, you know, the biggest show ever in in, in AEW history and one of the biggest wrestling shows of all time. You think that they're not going over? I mean, come on. Yeah. And I think this can be about them sort of taking a beat to rebuild the tag division, which has been so transient lately. You know, uh, when AEW started, their tag division was, you know, yeah, incredible. Uh, just yeah. top to bottom, great teams. Now I'm struggling to think who the young bucks would defend the ring of, or not ring of our AEW tag titles against. Ooh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of trios or, sure. or, or stuff like that, but yeah, I mean, Trent and, uh, and Chucky e. T, I don't think they're, uh, yeah, really... I, I think they deserve if just for pandemic era, their gold watch run at some point. Yeah. Um, and that reminds me, I don't know if you saw this morning, uh, Trent and Chuck showing up at, uh, Wembley, uh, Chuck's wearing a three piece suit and Trent's wearing like fucking under armor shirt and shorts and Trent's like, Chuck didn't tell me he was dressing up for this. <laughs> well, that's a Kentucky gentleman for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, there now Justin has a reason to understand why yes. he's a gentleman because he dresses now, up when it's appropriate. Did he, did he have like it was just a suit, not like the tucks and tails and hat and top? No, coat. no, it wasn't that far. It was not that. I, far. I really wish he would have done like the monocle and the cane oh. and the top hat, and yes. that's that's more on brand for Chucky e. T. That's what I want to see. That would be amazing. Um, yeah, just be the Monopoly guy. We've got the four-way match for the AEW Women's World Championship as Hikaru Shida defends against Tony Storm, Soraya, and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Now, I don't know who the four people all in all were supposed to be, but this was supposed to be Jamie Hayter is still women's champion and a big to-do about her defending the belt in London. To the point that, and this is true, you can buy it right now. There is a UK commemorative action figure of Jamie Hayter wearing like UK styled gear. Oh man. Yeah. 
that that injury could oh. not have come at a worse time. That's that's tragic. I hate I hate I hate that you told me that. Yeah. That's that's very sad. And I'm yeah. obviously team hater. Um it's it's a bummer. Like I, I hope that even you know, if she's still injured, I hope that she's there and maybe, you know, if and when Soraya wins at Wembley for the big, you know, UK pop that, you know, you let Jamie haters music hit and she can come out in whatever yeah. gear it is. Just yeah. like stare her down. Like I'm fucking watching you, bitch. I'm mm-hmm. coming for you when it happens. It'll be a big missed opportunity if they don't even allow her that. I, I completely agree. Uh, and, and again, just such a bummer that what was clearly supposed to be some degree of important moment for this show yeah did not get to play out. Um, and then another match that was going to go one way and is gone a very different way. Darby Allen and sting will be facing Swerve Strickland and Christian cage in a coffin match with Christian added to the match on Wednesday, shortly after AR Fox was kicked out of the mogul embassy. Yeah. Total shock. Um, You know, obviously there are some issues that prevent AR Fox from going over to the UK, which is a bummer because I feel like him and Swerve as a tag team could have been one of those teams, uh, a very formidable tag team for the division. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, his, I guess AR Fox's failure yet again to to beat two tiny twinks uh, has just <laughs> diminished his opportunities in the mogul affiliates here. And goddamn that tornado tag match on Wednesday was incredible. Like, yeah, I, I, I've had conversations with some other people I know who watch AEW and they've pointed out dynamite recently as being very WWE esque. and they're not wrong, you know, especially with the, sure. the multiple segments of Adam Cole, MJF drama yeah. uh, and comedy, people um, getting jumped distractions. Right. And, yeah. And the thing that they pointed out was, you know, I used to watch dynamite for these incredible matches and yes, incredible matches still happen, but they're fewer and further between. It's true. Uh, th- I think that match on Wednesday with Darby and uh, Nick Wayne against uh, Swerve and AR Fox was a great example of one of those fucking great matches happening again. Yeah. But they're not wrong. It- it's definitely a-, a different era of AEW right now than, say, the past few years. Yeah. Um, and we'll see who ends up winning this. I mean, uh, you know, Christian Cage is going to, su- at least in theory, be involved in the TNT title match uh, in Chicago next weekend. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know if that means he will lose here and then it's like, oh, it's really one on one now. Or if uh, Darby's going to be taken out. So he tries to go for revenge. Yeah, my uh, my hot take uh, is that Sting ends up in the coffin and retires today see it happening we have a six-man tag the golden elite of koto Ibushi, kenny omega and hangman adam page going against kanasuke Takeshita and the bullet club gold duo of juice robinson and jay white sorry juice you're bushy in this one you are clearly getting pinned yeah um the build for this has been scattershot and there's a reason originally the plan for all in and this breaks my heart to say oh no was it was going to be Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson two. Ah, oh, son of a bitch. Yeah, that first match. Is, Thanks, Okada. <laughs> I, I believe it was my favorite match of twenty twenty one. Yeah, uh, it's one of my favorite matches I've ever watched. Uh, I, I, and they left it open for sure. there to be another 
Another proper ending. And I can I can see the build in my mind now. I beat Okada. It took you three times to do it. Ba 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 ba. Fuck you. I'm yeah. the best. No, I'm the best. Well, all right. We'll do it in front of eighty thousand people. But instead, we get this kind of scattershot slapdash six man tag. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fun. There's a lot of talented people oh, involved. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't really have that that level of excitement that is worthy of a Kenny Omega match at Wembley stadium, you know, kind of a letdown in that respect. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they're going to kill it, but it's a shame that we didn't get that big one-on-one match. Yeah. Agreed. Stadium stampede five on five. Now as Phoenix needs to secure a green card, so he can't leave the country. How is that? Why is that a thing? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I've worked with some people who have had different visa statuses. And like when you're trying to get a green card, like you can't leave for an extended period of time. But like when you have a visa, when your visa is up for renewal, you need to go back to the other country for a period of time. It's right. really weird. I, I, I don't understand why the system is the way that it is. And especially because it's clearly an event, a work event. Sure. Sure. You know, it's not, it's not like he's going on holiday, yeah. you know, to to take a ride in the the big eye in fucking London or whatever. I mean, he's he's going I mean, for he work. might do that while he's in London. Sure, sure, he'd probably do a quadruple uh, moonsault off it <laughs> if you give him the opportunity. Him and Ibushi both right into the yeah. Thames, um, but <laughs> shooting fireworks the whole way down. Yes, um, it's 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 just a it's a bummer to not have him on this show yeah. and. The other thing is, how is his um, citizenship status different than Penta? I mean, why are they not going through the uh, same Penta might not thing? be I, – I don't know enough details beyond that. that, that True. Phoenix True. can't go for that. Penta maybe isn't trying to establish full residency. Fair. Um, he, he may just be splitting time. Um, but, yeah, it's hard to say. So uh, it is, of course, Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, the best friends of Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta. And Penta against Bipole Combat Club of John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, Santana, and Ortiz. Yeah, coming back. Storyline-wise, it doesn't make a ton of sense for Santana and Ortiz to be aligned with the Blackpool Combat Club. But Santana and Ortiz are back, so I'm cool with that. So the last time we saw either of them... It or was, was blood and guts, and they were last on the yes, they it, they were were on the side of Blackpool Combat Club and Eddie Kingston. Right. Okay. All right. I was trying to remember their alliance back then. So yeah. I guess it makes a little bit of sense. A little bit, but a little bit of sense. I mean, obviously they have history, big history with Eddie. Yeah. Um, but and I guess some history with Penta. They were some proud and powerful and Lucha Bros mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tag matches back in the yeah. day. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, curious to see with the Santana Ortiz thing, what comes out of this. Sure. Uh, happy to see them back. Cause I feel again, that, you know, if they are going to be a tag team going forward, then that's another one, you know, to, uh, to be in the tag team division to help bolster that. Um, and that's a big if. Yeah. Uh, shout out to one of my favorite tweets about the return of Santana, which was, oh, wow, it looks like while he was gone, Santana got really yoked and Ortiz decided to become a hat guy. Good for him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that was like, who's this fucking guy in the a hat? Very weird look. Like, I mean, was, also yeah. Ortiz has dropped a ton of, like he was losing weight lean. before he was gone, but like he's dropped yeah, a ton of weight. Super lean. Um, and this is where I get to break your heart again, Chris. The original oh. plan 
Fuck. for this match. Uh, I don't know if it was supposed to be a stadium stampede, but it was going to be a triple threat of trios. It was going to be Moxley, Claudio, and Yuta against OC and the best friends and Death against Triangle. Death Triangle. Motherfucker. Yeah. <sighs> Again, would have been fucking awesome. But yeah. There we are. Um, Chris Jericho and Will Ospreay. Big time match for Will Ospreay. Jericho sure. will be. Massive. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, no. Just say massive. Yeah. Jericho will be playing himself out to the ring. Dude's going to get blown up before the bell even rings. Yeah. Uh, so that I, I seem to recall zero of the live musical performances in AEW history working out well. So um, um, best of luck. there was a choir thing. For, was it for Max or was yeah, it for? You know what, you're right. And also his, now I think about it, his musical number when he did Penny yeah. for Heaven. That was, that was actually pretty well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There has not been a non-MJF related musical moment. Yes. <laughs> live. Um, yeah. I don't, yeah, I'm trying to think back. There's been a number of them. Yeah. I, I think this is, this intro, I'm not going to say the match because the match, apparently they were going to do it a few years ago. Uh, I think this intro is just so on Fozzie's website and anything related to booking details. They can oh, say yeah. they played in front of a sold out Wembley stadium. Of course. Of course. It's a hundred percent, you know, Chris yeah. Jericho's vanity right there. Um, and you know, the, did you see the tweet from Will Ospreay? Um, because apparently the production, uh, truck oh, played yeah, his the, wrong news. They played yeah. elevated or elevation, yeah. whichever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, he wants them to so fix that before. Yeah. He sent out a friendly tweet for, for Wembley to play elevated and, and props to Osprey as well. We made fun of him on the show when he cut that promo during the trios tournament last year or beginning of this year, whenever it was. And it was just bruv this and bruv that. He cut a fucking killer promo on Jericho. He it, did. It, it it, and it real. included the bruv this and bruv that. True. But it's it's so it's it's how the guy talks. Yeah. And it's nobody else talks like that, at least on AEW. Right. Um so it felt unique. It felt, um, you know, uh, uh, what'd you say? Um, you, authentic. Yes. It was unique and authentic and it felt, you know, real. Like it was, you know, really coming from him. And, you know, Osprey's promos in New Japan are usually very profanity laced yes. and entertaining in that respect. But I feel like he really proved um, to, you know, us, the audience, and more specifically to Tony Khan, that he could do this, um, you know, on TV without cursing, still get his point across, still be compelling, still perform it uh, with with the heart and intensity there. Because as he mentioned in said promo, his New Japan contract is up very soon. Yes. Um, and there will likely be a bidding war for him as well. And I could definitely see Tony Khan backing up the Brinks truck to, uh, to whatever he lives in Worcester or wherever the fuck he lives. Yes. Uh, and speaking of uh, Mr. Khan, uh, breaking news from Twitter Uh-oh. while this is going on. There is a big announcement today. Oh, Tony Jesus. Khan. Well, Alvarez just posted, and I quote, Tony Khan, I think Tony Khan's big announcement today is, in fact, quite big. Don't know what that means, okay. but apparently it's something. So it's apparently not overhyping another tepid Hopefully it's not a new title. That's one thing yeah, we don't need. Yeah, please God, no new title. The only time they should introduce new titles is 
whenever they decide to take the Turner branding off of those right. belts. Yeah. Um, otherwise they've got enough, if not enough, too many, too many. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, hope Osprey has a killer match. And honestly, I think it might behoove him to sign with AEW after this new Japan contracts up. Cause he, I don't think he's got much left. B- very busy schedule. Mr. Osprey has because yeah. yesterday he worked Shingo in the main event of the Rev Pro show and beat him and then got jumped by Jericho. Well, there was an in between. Oh, there so, was. Osprey beat Shingo. Uh-huh. Then Zack Saber Jr. comes out. Oh, and challenges Osprey for the New Japan UK title for Royal Quest Three, which is I think in October mm-hmm. in London. So that's your main event for that. Okay. And then Jericho ran out and attacked Will Osprey. Gotcha. Wow. I missed the ZSJ yeah. part. Yeah. Uh, it, it was full on angle into angle into angle on uh, Rev Pro yesterday. So Okay. All right. Well, it looks yeah, like they the, got a huge crowd for the Rev Pro show, too. So good to them. Well, to circle back to Osprey potentially signing with AEW, I feel like now would be the time because yeah. he's kind of accomplished all he can in AEW. He's He's been or uh, in New in, Japan. New Japan, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been pretty much... All Not the champions like the from Jay White. Exactly. All, all the championships is matter. He's beaten Okada. Finally, he's gotten that monkey off his back. Yeah. Um, yeah no, I, I feel like now would be the time. And, you know, I would not hate seeing him wrestle all these guys in AEW on a weekly yeah. basis. And he really could be. I, I know it, it has clearly been the setup of him in New Japan, but he could be the guy to replace Kenny Omega mm-hmm. in the AEW structure of this is the guy who has the big matches. Yeah. So I, I, I could see that working out well. CM Punk is defending the real world championship against Samoa Joe. Instead of talking about that match, I'd now like to take this moment to talk about something from CM Punk's show collision last night. <laughs> yes. Chris, uh-huh. was there or was there not a segment last night that made you absolutely giddy with joy? Giddy with joy. I'm trying to remember. I was watching it this morning. Um... Cause I know you said you watched some of it. But didn't watch I did, all I, of it. Yeah, I did, and, and I, you know, was mostly paying attention while I was watching it. Well, uh, okay, so I, I might I'm have lost over you something. Didn't, you didn't catch this part, and maybe you okay. did, and you weren't as excited about it as I would think you would be. Which is the segment of Drillistico and uh, oh. Preston Vance. Yeah, the very Lucha Underground esque type. Extremely uh, Lucha Underground. Yes, I forgot about this. To I the did. Point I actually where it felt like they were teasing Dario. I know because I was fast forwarding through whatever the Willow match squash match that was happening or whatever. No disrespect to Willow, but there was no way she was losing that match. And then I was fast forwarding and then I see this um, like fight scene with uh, with uh, Drillistico and and Preston. I was like, oh, circle back, circle back. And I rewound it and and watched it. And it's very. Was there a a previous segment like this last week that I didn't watch because I didn't Uh, watch Collision? Not like that. Uh, Preston and Drillistico got kidnapped. Samoa Joe. That's right. You mentioned that. So, okay. Um, All right. So then this is, you know, th- yeah, they, they were held captive and then beat their uh, captors up. And then uh, as they were laying in pools of their own and everybody else's blood, somebody walked up clapping. Now they were shrouded in shadows. I assumed it was Jose, the assistant. Yeah. The that's my thing too. But... And or Andrade. Um, not Andrade. Roosh. Yeah. No, it couldn't have been Roosh because of the hair. Yeah, Roosh isn't. Um, also, he's huge. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then my, it did cross my mind, like, 
Well, they can bring in Zion Quaid out here. Yeah. Uh, which I don't even know. Contracts if... don't matter at all. So. Well, I was going to say, I didn't even know if he was still a part of that or not. Uh, vaguely. <laughs> like, okay. not, not as much as he had been, which reminds gotcha. me, fucking New Japan just announcing working relationships with everybody. They announced a working relationship with MLW this week. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Do you want to work in relationship with the Rough House podcast? Yeah, like, sure. Happy. <laughs> Happy to. Fucking hell. Yeah, just send Kushida to fill in for me every so often. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, trios title match. House of Black. House Malachi of Black, Black, Buddy Matthews, Birdie King defending those trios titles against the acclaimed of Anthony Bowens and Max Caster and for one night only... The badass Billy Gunn. I thought he couldn't use Billy Gunn anymore. I thought he couldn't either, but apparently he is. Yeah, and I have heard, I shit you not, there have been attempts to license his old the ass, man? ass man theme. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. I don't think it's going to happen. No, that would be amazing, though. But. That would be pretty unreal. Um, I mean, th- th- Mikey Ruckus could do a like Weird oh, Al yeah. pastiche, like I'm the daddy ass man, yeah. and just it would get the same response. Or fucking get uh, Guarcinio Hall, who did the the ass yeah. theme for Danhausen, to do a yes. cover. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Covers should be fine, right? Anyway, sure. uh, I I legitimately think this is just about having eighty thousand people uh, explode win their new six-man tag team champions. So that's, yeah. that's my thought on that. I'm with match. you. I'm with you on that. And then main event, MJF, Adam Cole, which mm-hmm. I really, really, really hope doesn't result in an Adam Cole kingdom Roddy Strong faction. You know what's happening, buddy. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Honestly, if anyone runs out and gets involved, I would like to see Adam Cole's true best friend, Kyle O'Reilly, show up. And cost the match for that would be cool. That would be cool. And then you could get, you know, um, Cole and O'Reilly versus, well, I don't want to see the kingdom wrestle at all, but you know, that would be a reason for that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know O'Reilly status. He's still on a contract and he was training to come back when Adam was. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what has prevented that. Maybe just the not being physically cleared or not, but that's a great, I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. Um, It it just hit me while we were discussing this. Yeah. Um, I'm still le- I'm still leaning towards Cole walking out as champion here yeah. um, and turning heel one way or another with or without the kingdom. I think Cole is turning on MJF today. Uh, I, I completely agree. I think overall the other bit of drama to be concerned about for this show, Wembley has a hard out curfew of 10 p.m. Oh, geez. The show is starting at 6 p.m. UK time. So they got four hours to get the show in. Okay. They can do it. They've done it. But uh, I, I, I'm worried, much like the original All In, something's getting a lot of time cut. Well, I mean, there some of these matches probably aren't going super, super long. long. Yeah. Know, like Trio's title match should just be like a, a crowd boost moment. Uh, the, the bulk of the time will go to the tag match, the stampede, and the main. Yeah. And then everything else gets parsed out from there. Yeah. Um, to circle back to the main, did you catch Cole and MJF on a truth or dab? Yes. So good. A lot of fun. A lot Probably of fun. Like uh, the best mainstream press AEW's had in a long time. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Sean Evans, uh, just a great host yeah. uh, with some wrestling knowledge and history as well. Uh, really getting it out of them and asking Max the hard question right off the bat was was super choice. And I feel like there was like a couple moments just slight moments in there and a, a coup to the editing at, uh, at, at, at hot ones. Um, but where Max was kind of out of character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and I was like, okay, we don't get that very often. No, no, not at all. That's kind of the point of, you know, hot ones and eating hot chicken wings, the whole gimmick of the show. Yeah. Um, so I feel like they definitely accomplished their bit and it was a coup getting him on there. So yeah. that's, that was, that was big, that was big time. Yeah, I, I I think that's really really cool that they got to do that. And honestly, I'd like to see other AEW talent on Hot Ones at some point. I mean, the fact that Chris Jericho hasn't done it yet feels wrong. I feel like he, he probably turned it down. He's probably a pansy when it comes to hot food. Fair. That's my guess. I want to I want a fucking John Moxley on there. Oh yeah, that's, you know what? That's compelling television right yep. there. Yep, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Well, uh, this very very big show, of course then leads to All Out next weekend in Chicago. Three matches on that. Luchasaurus defending the TNT title against Darby Allen. Miro going against Powerhouse Hobbs. And the just-added Chris Statlander defending the TBS title against Ruby Soho. We'll see what else they set up tonight, because undoubtedly they're setting things up tonight. Uh, but if you weren't wrestled out, fucking payback is Saturday. Oh, Jesus. And uh, right now it's got five matches. Uh, steel cage match between Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. Uh, world heavyweight title that, match huh? is Seth Rollins defense against Shinsuke Nakamura. Okay. A women's world title match is Rhea Ripley defends against Raquel Rodriguez. A U.S. title match is Rey Mysterio defends against Austin Theory, and we've got L.A. Knight versus The Miz. And it's not a match, but Grayson Waller will have a special edition of the Grayson Waller effect with Cody Rhodes. So okay. Cody what is that? Is that his talk show segment? Promo. Yeah, it's a talk show segment. Okay. I was like, who the, who's this guy and what is <laughs> who's your daddy and what does he do? Gra- Grayson Waller was uh, in NXT 3.0 and is now, you know, a sure. guy. Okay. Good for things. him. Yeah. Um, should be a really fun show today. I'm very excited for it, even though it's not, it's clearly not what they wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, I think they've rolled with the punches and. With one exception, I I am willing to fall on the sword for one not being good. I feel like every other AEW pay-per-view has met, if not exceeded, expectations. It's definitely probably the highest expectations of any AEW show since arguably Double or Nothing 2019. Sure. I hope it goes well. I hope no one gets hurt. I hope everything is awesome. And... I hope to talk with everyone here next week about how it went. I just hope everybody has a good time. (laughs) The Roughhouse Podcast is a weekly podcast fueled by coffee, pizza rolls, and the stench of dirty litter boxes. Follow Christoph and Marty on Twitter at RoughhouseSGW, at Facebook.com slash The Roughhouse Podcast, and at Patreon.com slash The Roughhouse Podcast for early access to episodes, exclusive podcasts, Roughhouse Redos, and Roughhouse Divided Movie Trivia Games. New episodes drop every single Monday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe, motherfuckers! This is the, the Rough, House, Rough Pod. House, uh podcast with Justin and Christoph. That's it. Fuck Christoph. He's terrible with his information. Okay. Hey, this is The Rock. Shut your mouth, jabronis, and listen up, because this is the Rough House podcast with Marty and my least favorite man on the planet, Christoph. 
summertime is upon us. That means it's vacation planning time. Wyatt Family Bayou Tours is here to show you the true meaning of the South, the true meaning of fear, and the true meaning of leaving home. You will be given a sleeveless flannel t-shirt. You will be hogtied with tire chains. You will be given a burlap mask to wear while riding in a canoe made of bones sailing down a river of blood from non-believers eventually reaching the Wyatt family plantation where you'll undergo days of hallucinatory torture, violent cult initiation, and an intercontinental breakfast. Upon passing out from unspeakable pain, the one and only savior, Beret Wyatt himself, will scream you back to consciousness, where he'll explain to you, through his actions, that he is not just the eater of worlds, but the destroyer of asses. You will also get a limited edition t-shirt that reads, Bray Wyatt destroyed my ass and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. For an extra $14.95, you can get a commemorative photo with the Wyatt family in Bray Wyatt's Nana's rocking chair in a beatdown shed with alligators guarding it. Wyatt Family Tours accepts only human flesh as payment and Diners Club cards. Don't bother signing up. We're already on our way to deliver you and that supple little ass of yours to Mr. Bray Wyatt. Head over to wyattfamilybayoutours.edu for more info. Wyatt Family Bayou Tours. He's coming for that ass.